Hey everybody, good morning. It's Sunday morning and welcome to this edition of Down to Earth. It's a podcast in which we talk about the issues that matter. And today, one of the issues that matter is encouraging all of us as we navigate these trying times. We must all admit by now, after this tumultuous week, that these are indeed trying times. These are times that try the faith, try the spirit, try the patience with the kids being home, spouses are home, everybody is in the same space. We're not accustomed to spending this much time together alone. Business is not going well. If you have a small business and your entire income is based on that, well, these are some trying times for everyone. The politicians, that's up in the air. I mean, they can't get seen to get that way. Yesterday, for sure, at one point, I thought the United States was declaring war on New York, Connecticut, and New Jersey. I was like, what the heck happened to the Union overnight? So we must admit that these are some trying times. I mean, I had to go figure out. If the president says he's going to quarantine three states, I'm like, that's the United States declaring war on three states. (laughs) It's like, is the union done? What happened here? I mean, it was just the craziest thing. Can you imagine something like that? I mean, I was was like, wait, 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 hold on. Throwback. Is this throwback to the Civil War? (laughs) What's going on here? You mean a virus caused the United States to declare war on three states? (laughs) So these are indeed trying times in the city of Detroit, uh, a famous venue that has been used for so many years for cultural events, is now going to be converted into a hospital to accept overflow coronavirus patients. These are trying times indeed. That means downtown Detroit is shut down. Don't even try. They're not going to let you in because now they're going to use it, that venue, as a hospital. Which means also that for the first time in about 25 years, the North American International Auto Show has been canceled for this year. Maybe postponed to October. Mm, I don't know if I'm going to go to that venue knowing that it was a hospital in the fall knowing that it was a hospital for coronavirus patients. I don't know about that. But we can all say, despite everything else, these are indeed trying times. So what do we do during these trying times? What what, what kind of resources exist? In scurrying the news media, I, I took a time out. Yesterday was Saturday. I had to take a time out from Friday and Saturday. And it's good for your mental health to shut down. If you're working from home, shut down. I took a time out and I was just totally off grid. I just kind of just went crazy on Netflix there for a second and watch Ozarks. Anybody watching Netflix, watching Ozarks? It's just good to get involved in someone else's drama and get caught up in someone else's drama rather than the drama that is being played out in real time on all our TV screens about what's happening in our community, in our city, in our state, and in our country. And then you look further and you're like, well, the news isn't good anyway. So take time out and shut down and make sure that you take care of your mental health because this will bother you. This will set you in to feeling less optimistic. This will make you feel as if the sky is falling, the sky is coming in on me, the sky is falling, there's no hope. Oh my God, oh my God, everything is just going crazy. So shut it down, right? If you must go to Twitter, just scroll. If it's becoming too disturbing, ignore. I had to shut down my Facebook page after Friday morning because the RIPs were just too much on my Facebook page. I couldn't 
I, I, could, I just simply couldn't. I just simply did not want to absorb that. I, I kept responding after a while. I was like, ah, oh, it's time out. All week long, this has been going on. So what do you do at time, in times like this? Who are you holding on to? I know right now it should bring us all closer together. The Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. So I hope you're practicing safe social distancing while you are not being alone. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know what that means, right? But it's not good for you to isolate yourself. The Bible also says in Proverbs that a man isolates himself to the peril of, of his of wise judgment, of wise counsel. That means you sit down and you isolate yourself and you start thinking the sky is falling, the sky is falling, the sky is so falling. And you don't listen to wise counsel. You don't listen that will encourage you and uplift you. And you sit there absorbing to your peril what is bad. And I say all of that to say it's at times like these that we discover that wellspring within us. That we discover what is in us and what has been placed in us from generations past. Whether we grew up in church or not. Whether we were exposed to faith or not. Whether we have been in church all our lives or not, this is a time to seek. And I encourage everybody, as folks all around the country are at home on a Sunday morning, maybe it's time for us to start thinking, it's Sunday, I don't have to be in a rush to go to work on Monday. I don't have to do the laundry and rush and make dinner and go shopping and go crazy. I can actually find time for an hour on a Sunday morning to get my family together, put them in a car and drive down to a church service. Maybe it's time for us to get back to faith. Maybe we need something bigger than ourselves. So often what we look to is government and we look to the government to solve all our problems, the government to have all the answers to what we are going through because we are so blessed this generation. We are so blessed to live in a world where we don't have to worry about world wars. We don't have to worry about famines and the ravages of drought and floods that wipe out crops and reduce our sustenance. We don't have those issues. We live in a world where everything is provided for. As a country, we can feed our people. We can feed all the people in our borders. As a country, we can provide milk and cheese and eggs and toilet paper, though they're buying it out, right? People are still hoarding, right? But we can feed our people and provide for our people. We have meat, we have chicken, we have fish, we have lobster, we have shrimp, we have pasta. We can feed our people, made right here. We don't have to import anything. Recently, the Canadian Prime Minister, in announcing that he was closing his country's borders, but not to the U.S., caused some uproar in his own country. Because people were like, well, we don't want Americans bringing their virus coming over here. And the Prime Minister said, are you kidding me? 75% of our groceries come from America. I can't shut the borders down because that's where our groceries come from. But when you think about that, I was like, wow, America is not in that position to say that 75% of our groceries come from somewhere else. It's from Idaho, Iowa, California, Montana, Nebraska, Idaho. You know, someplace, Florida, Texas, Nevada. I don't know if they make anything else, but gambling out in Nevada. But that's for another story for another day, right? But just think about how blessed we are. So as a generation, what we are doing right now is recalibrating, reassessing to determine what our next steps are. Maybe we were moving too fast. Maybe as a postmodern society, we had evolved so fast 
that we completely forgot the basics of what life should be. And here we find ourselves this morning wondering, what have we missed? What is it that we have missed that has caused us to be here? And I say all of that to say that it's time for us to get back to basics. It's time for us to figure out where we are and where we ought to be. Are we in the right place? Are we doing the right thing? Are we saying the right things? <laughs> are we really in the right place? So I want to bring that to your attention this morning. And for just a few minutes, I want to draw your attention to a passage of scripture that I came across as I was studying this week. As I was studying this week and seeking to find every week there's a new season. Every week there's a new message to sustain us for that week to take us through in spite of all that we find ourselves going through. We find ourselves on the cusp of something that our generation has never dealt with before. This is our challenge. This is what we are confronted with. And as leaders, civic leaders, political leaders, leaders across the spectrum grapple with the harsh realities that confront them, and there will be some this week, harsh decisions that they have to make, healthcare workers on the front line making decisions about who will live and who will die. So life and death you find is not in your hands, but is in the hands of a doctor, in the hands of a surgeon, in the hands of a nurse practitioner, a nursing supervisor who are determining if you live or you die. If you're over 55 and you go in and you have an underlying health condition, they're going to remove you off the ventilator if a 25 year old needs it. That's a life and death decision. They're making a life and death decision that that 25 year old life is worth keeping and sustaining as opposed to a 55 year old life. These, my friends, are indeed trying times. You don't want to place yourself in the hands of a healthcare worker to make that decision about your life. There are people who are dependent on you. There are people who are dependent on your life. You still haven't written the will yet. You still haven't separated your assets yet. They're still your children. You haven't told them you've forgiven them. You still have parents you haven't said anything to yet. You still have brothers and sisters whom you need to build a bridge to carry across. You still have relatives. There's still things you haven't even done yet on your bucket list. And yet here you find yourself in a situation where, <laughs> where a worker, a healthcare worker is going to make that decision for you. So who is your safety? Who do you run to? And I tell you, my friends, this week, we're going to need to know where our safety is. Our safety is not going to be the federal government. Our safety is not going to be the state government. Our safety is not going to be the mayor, nor the county executive, nor the police chief. And we pray for those who are unwell. Right now in the city of Detroit, our police chief has tested positive for the coronavirus. Imagine that. Half of it, one-fifth of the Detroit Police Department is quarantined. There are over 39 officers who have the virus. That is trying in these very trying times. That is what you call trying. A decision like the police chief showing up at an emergency room with the coronavirus is not something any of us want to contemplate. The police chief of the city of Highland Park has been ill for more than two weeks. We pray that he recovers. He was been in the hospital has been in the hospital without the benefit of the survivorship and the companionship of his family. They haven't been able to visit him. 
such are the times that we live in. If you have a loved one who has perhaps been diagnosed with a coronavirus, you know what I'm talking about. Your loved one cannot be, you cannot visit them in the hospital. You can't see them. You can't go commiserate. You can't be by their bedside. It is just as trying for you as it is for them. Is there any hope for them to live because they can't see you? They don't have time to give any last words. They don't have time to say, tell my kids I love them. Tell my wife, tell my husband, tell my family and my friends that I love them. They don't have time to say anything. They are dying alone. These are indeed trying times. And when you look up on these things, we have to look up. We have to continue to look up and to ask these questions. And I know many of us are saying, well, where is God? And why did this happen? Well, sometimes crisis brings out our faith. Maybe you've never had a crisis. What you thought was a crisis wasn't a real crisis. What you thought was a big deal when you were at work, couldn't find a job, you thought that was a crisis. No, you're in the fight for our lives. We're literally in a race against time. We're literally in the fight for our lives because this virus is no respect of persons. It destroys the human body, young or old. It destroys whatever it touches. And so my friends, as we contemplate these things this morning, I just want to draw your attention to Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 10. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 10, and I'm reading from the New King James Version, and it says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and they are safe. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and they are safe. I feel like we need to say a prayer for our friends in New York. I feel like we need to say a prayer for folks in nursing homes. We probably are going to see some serious things this weekend, this week, this weekend. We're probably going to see by the end of the week. At the end of the week, we're going to see some serious damage done in New York as a result of this virus. Pray for our brothers and sisters, our friends who have relatives in nursing homes. We plead the blood of Jesus over them. In the name of Jesus, comfort the grieve. In Jesus' mighty name. The Lord is our protection during these trying times. It's you know, the book of Proverbs is, 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 is what they say a proverb. It teaches us. And what I have found is that the book of Proverbs, when you read it, it's literally, every verse is literally speaking to some other part of our lives. But the most important thing, one of the, you know, people talk about Proverbs 31, woman and all that stuff. But the most important thing that Proverbs chapter 18 teaches us is that none but the Lord can be our protection, especially during these times. In fact, this verse tells us that the name of the Lord is a strong tower and those who run to it are safe. And I just want to say, I don't know who this is for, but maybe we haven't held on to God the way we should have. Maybe we haven't held on or haven't felt the need to be part of the ministry. We didn't feel encouraged to go to church. God only knows we have terrific schedules. We're so busy, we don't have time for this, we don't have time for that, we don't have time. People don't even have time to tune into a broadcast that is going to help them or encourage them. We're too busy, our attention is diverted elsewhere. Really, sometimes you do have the desire to want to go to church on a Sunday, but really, 
uh, I want to stay home and watch football or I want to stay home and watch baseball or it's basketball season or I may say I was going to play golf this morning. I was going to meet so-and-so at the country club. We're going to go have drinks at the country club. We were just too distracted, too many things going on. We never knew that we had to have a day and time when we separated ourselves and take one hour out of the day, once a week, to just go into the house of the Lord and say, Lord God, I just thank you for this week. I pray that you keep us through to next week. Just keep us through the week. We never knew the Lord as safety. And I tell you, after this, there's going to be such a testimony where people are literally going to call on the name of the Lord and they're going to watch and see a thousand fall at their right hand and 10,000 at their right hand. It shall not come nigh thee because you have called on the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. There is nothing like your personal testimony. And if you haven't experienced the name and the strength of God, then you don't know. This is why the Bible says about itself that it is written as an example for us to follow. Because frankly, if you don't have the example, how will you know? And people have said the Bible isn't true, the Bible is myth, the Bible is is fables and so on. Well, so is history. Do we really know did Richard the Great live and the Crusader? Did we really know that? So you can say what is written in history is fables. Do we? Did any of us ever meet Christopher Columbus? Have we met Ponce de Leon? Have we? No, no. So we don't know if it really happened. So you can say the same of history in much the same way as people work so erratically to disclaim the Bible. But as fervently as you work to declare the Bible, I have found that in your fervor to prove that it doesn't exist, you find a conviction because you must say after the end of it, the name of the Lord is truly a strong tower. If you have never been in a space where you have needed God, maybe this is the challenge. Just yesterday I read on CNN that uh, wealthy New Yorkers are fleeing Manhattan. Y'all heard that? So maybe you can all buy a skyscraper in Manhattan or an apartment in Manhattan. Maybe it's going for cheap now. I don't know. Right? Check out the real estate prices of condos in Manhattan. But wealthy New Yorkers are fleeing Manhattan to go to their vacation homes in the Poconos or in the Hamptons or the Crosskills or Florida, Arizona. Imagine that. They're fleeing Manhattan. Just think about that. These are the titans of industry. The people who felt like, man... You could not do anything. I, I run the, these are the titles. These are the people for whom the ticker tape parade on, 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 on New York Stock Exchange means something. And these are the folks who are fleeing. So much so that the governor of Florida says, we don't want you all down here. Stay up there with your virus. Don't come down here to pollute our city. And I said to myself when I read it, I said, wouldn't it be easier if they just said, let me run to the Lord. Let me, let me go into a church service. Let me have a church service. Let me call up a spiritual guru who can come into my apartment right now and preach the word of God to me to sustain me. This is why they say that religion is for the poor, that only the poor need it. So when they branded religion like that, and when they branded Christianity like that, guess what? All of us fled. We're like, we don't want to be poor. We're not going to claim anything that is poor. We don't want to claim anything that is negative. So we fled from it because people were like, all you need is money. Well, check it out. Now, what's your money doing for you? You see all these people who are saying they're famous and so on, and they they, they have the virus. How did their money stop them from getting the virus? So you have to, this is what I've been saying for years now, that in addition to having money that provides you with the comforts of modern life, you still need faith in God. 
Because when times like these is when you're going to say, I will run to the Lord, who is my strength, my high tower. If I run to him, I am safe. You know, years ago, I can attest to this because this is my personal story. You know, yesterday, my daughter and I were having a discussion about my life. And we were talking, no, don't get morbid or anything like that. We were just talking about the seasons of my life. And we were talking about how my the abuse, the intense abuse in my marriage lasted for three years. And I told her that it shocked me afterwards. When I wrote my book, Through the Fire, it shocked me to realize that it was only three years. But at the time when I was going through it, it felt like an eternity. It felt like it couldn't end, like it would not end. But you know what I discovered through those three years? The name of the Lord. I never knew God. I never knew God like that. No, you got to understand that I grew up in a Christian family. My family owned a church, y'all, in the country. We had a church. I grew up in church. I spent summers like the rest of us in Sunday school. Look at my face. You all know what that means. And Sunday mornings, my grandmother used to dress us up and put us on the front row in front of her. That meant we couldn't eat candy. We couldn't eat, you know, the candy wrappers and stuff. You're in church all day and you're hungry. And you can't even eat a candy wrapper. They would slap you. Oh, I grew up saying, man, as soon as I can, I won't have anything to... And then they sent me to a Catholic high school. So we had to be indoctrinated on top of that, like in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It wasn't a bad thing because I find that my daughter reminds me that when I'm driving and I run into a, a problem, you know, I come up with the prayers, right? Oh, Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, joys, works, and sufferings of this day. is a good thing. No, I can say it's a good thing. When I was going through that terrible time in my marriage, I knew the name of the Lord. I found myself on my knees. I read the Bible back to back. I found that I got stuck in the book of Psalms. I found that the word of the Lord and the name of the Lord meant comfort to me. That even in the midst of uncertainty, when I didn't know what I was going to do, when I had children and didn't know how it was all going to pan out, that at some point God would make it work out all right. It didn't work out the way I thought it would. I didn't think the way that I anticipated it would, but it worked out in a much better way for me. Do you understand what I'm saying? My daughter tells me that she's going to start taking more pictures of me because my outfits look fly. You know how the young people speak. And I was like, can you just see me, right? I'm just like, wow, wow. But you know, when you look at it, I, I had to stop and think about that for a minute because you know how the Bible says, I'll give you beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning. I had to stop for a minute and think about that. Here I am. How many years later, being able to declare that the name of the Lord is a strong Torah, I survived it and still look great, still healthy. Everything is in its right place. My mind is in its right place. <laughs> my eyes are in the right place. My cheekbones, my face, everything in its right place. Surely I can declare that the name of the Lord is a strong Torah. What if I didn't know God during that time? Yes, I was financially comfortable. I didn't have to worry about how bills were paid. I didn't have to worry about where I lived. I didn't have to worry about marauders or people attacking you or anything like that. But I didn't have those worries to contend with. But the greatest warrior was right in my house. 
My greatest danger was in my house. Look good from the outside, but on the inside, my God, I was being terrorized within an inch of my mind and within an inch of my mental state. But I came to know the name of the Lord and I promised myself that when I got out of it, I'm going to tell it and tell it and tell it to everybody whom I can. Come on now. You've got to have a testimony. We're going to have at the end of this week, we're going to have a testimony. When this is all said and done, this is going to be your testimony. That on a Sunday morning when I found myself being still, that the words of some preacher whom I heard 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, some preacher who spoke into my life, somebody who prayed over me. I know my grandmother and them had something to do with it. You're going to be able to say, I called on the name of God. And he became my safety. He became my strong tower and took me through a virus that there is no way that we could have survived it. Guys and gals, just look at it this way. My friends, just look at it this way. The way they're talking about this thing and the way they're saying we are just now entering the curve, the way they're talking about it, you got to understand and realize that it's by Come on now, it's by the blood of Jesus Christ we're going to make it out of here. It's by the blood of Jesus Christ we're going to be saved. Because the way they're talking about this thing just increasing and increasing. And every day it just gets more and more till they can't put a number to it anymore. Because it's alarming to the public. The public are just going flat out of their minds. Now think about this. If the wealthy folks in New York have fled Manhattan. Can you imagine how poor people feel? Can you imagine how people feel who live in Queens and then the boroughs of New York City and can't go anywhere? It's the same thing happening in Detroit. How do you think the people who live in Detroit in the epicenters of this thing and all the wealthy people who can fled up north, gone to their cabins up north, trying to run away from the virus? I have a funny feeling it's going to reach them right where they are too. You can't run away from it if it is supposed to come against you if you don't have the right protection. I'm not apologizing for saying it, but we are going to have the test testimony to say that the name of the Lord is our strong tower. The name of the Lord is our safety and we run to it. The righteous run to it. Well, let me ask you this. Who is the righteous? You know who the righteous is? The people who call on the name of the Lord. You and I, we still have to go out and buy milk and eggs because we run out of milk and eggs. Are you darting out when you go out? You're strapped up. You have masks. You have gloves, you have garbage bags on. Probably pretty soon we're going to order hazmat suits. Come on now, right? And you're praying, Lord, I'm going to go out. Lord Jesus, bring me back. Lord, bring my spouse back. Bring my husband back. Bring my children back. Bring my wife back. And we are praying that God will save us. Well, you're going to find that God is going to come and answer your prayer. So when this is all over, don't forget to go and tell somebody else that I did call on the name of the Lord. He became my safety. He became my strong tower. You know what a strong tower is? You ever been near a lighthouse? Anybody who goes sailing knows what a lighthouse is, right? You know what a lighthouse is to a sailor who is caught up in a storm on the sea. When he sees a lighthouse, he feels safe. He says, I'm near land. I'm about to be saved. Come on, folks. That's what the name of the Lord is. It's like you can see danger coming. They tell us don't go out. You go out and you have gloves on. You don't want to even put your credit card into the machine because you don't want to touch the pin pad. You make sure you have gloves on. You have to still go get some cash back. When they're handing you the money, you are like, I need to disinfect it with Lysol and spray it down because I don't want to put it in my wallet. Then I have to touch my wallet, then touch my 
purse. You come home inside your house and you have a space as soon as you get in the door where you strip everything off and drop it in the washing machine. Anybody doing that? Anybody doing that? Come on now, you know we're all doing it. It's praying ourselves from head to toe and saying, thank God I made it. No, Lord, I'm going to touch you. No, I ain't going to kid you. I got a text this week from somebody right here in the Detroit area, Reverend Horace Sheffield, someone who helped me when I was getting started. He's well known in this area, well known in this town. His daughter is uh, is on the city council of the, the city of Detroit that he had contracted the coronavirus because he was in New York about two and a half weeks ago. Now, I ain't going to kid you. When I saw him post a picture, he was in New York. I was like, Rev, what's up? Like, seriously, what are you doing in New York? It's not good to be there. He said everybody around him told him not to go, but there he is. Well, at the same time that he said that, I realized that another friend of mine had come in contact with Reverend Sheffield. How do you think I felt? It's like the bottom of your stomach start dropping. I text my friend and I'm like, hey, at this point, at this point, we all need to be aware that something is out there. Do you understand what I'm saying? That was in the middle of the week. Then I got another, then my daughter's best friend, one of my daughter's friends from school, her grandmother, who is immunocompromised already, was tested positive. They can't even go near her. She's at home. They sent her home. She, they can't even go near her. She's on a tracheotomy. They can't go near her. When you hear stuff like that, you know what I said? I said, Jesus, thank you for the blood of Jesus that saves me and my children. It is this close. This is my story. How about yours? Do you understand what I'm saying? So now I can truly say when we come out of this, when we come out on the other side of this, we're going to be able to say, I know the name of the Lord. I stuck to it and I believe in spite of the evidence, in spite of the RIPs that I see on my timeline, in spite of all the people whom I see and hear about. I know some of you are healthcare workers. This is life and death and ground zero for many of you every day, right? And I am telling you right now that you are feeling it and it's touching you. It's touching your lives. You are getting text messages about family members and friends who are caught up in this. But my friends, Proverbs chapter 18, this is the message for this week. Don't worry about next week. For next week, God will send another word to save us. Worry only about this week. Think on this week alone. Don't worry about what will happen next Sunday. By next Sunday, God will come with another message. He's been giving us every week a message to keep us and take us through it. And he's saying this week, this is what you meditate on. The name of the Lord, my name. I am God. I'm your father. I am your protector. Run to me. Come up into me. That means Lord Jesus. Friends, we got to pray like we've never prayed before. We got to believe God like we never believed God before. If this is any time for us to pray, this is the time when we're going to pray and we're going to believe God. It is not time to be on the fence. It's not time to be cute. It's not time to be pretty. It's time to praise the Lord. It's time to believe God. It's either we're going to believe God that we're going to be saved or we are not. Make up in your mind. Yes, the Bible says a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand. But the word says it shall not come nigh thee. Believe upon that. Believe upon that. Believe God that he's going to save you. That he's going to save your family. He's going to save your kids. Don't worry about house. We have lived in many houses. I'm one of those persons who that does not bother me. I'm not jacked up 
about a house. I'm not as long as it has a roof that can cover me from the from the rain. That's all I care about. I've lived in big houses. I've lived in nice houses. You think I worry about a house when there is a house under the under the the, the ground? For uh, waiting for the end of life. Hello, somebody. We ain't worried about a house. Don't worry about if you lose a house. So what? You can buy back another house. Don't worry about a car. You can get back another car. What you worry about is life. This right here, this heart, palpitating and beating and pulsing is what you need to focus on. This brain working and everything else in your body working in tune and in time. God is in charge. God dictates to our bodies. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. Are you hearing the word? See, if we had spent time in church and had been praying and believing, these words would come at a time. Because notice, what the president says is not helping you. What the mayor says is not helping you. What the governor says is not helping you. What Dr. Fauci says is not helping us. What the commentators on CNN and MSNBC and Fox or whoever you listen to, right? None of that is helping you. But you know what you're hearing? It's like a slow sound. You're hearing the name of the Lord and it's making you search. Some of you went and dusted off your Bible. You might have had it even in your attic. Your Bible thrown down somewhere. Go dust it off, pull it out and start reading. Open it up and start reading because the name of the Lord is what we are going to be saved by. You can't even go into a church building anymore. So now you realize it's not the church building that has saved you. So many of us got caught up in our affiliations to churches, in our affiliations to famous pastors whom we celebrated. They became celebrities. We celebrated them. We forgot that they're supposed to be men and women of the cloth. That meant they conformed to a certain belief system and a certain way of life. We celebrated them. We went into edifices that celebrated them, not God. No, you can't even go into those edifices. They're begging you to come in because they want your money. They want you to come in. But guess what? That is not what this was about. They missed the boat a long time ago and we just went along for the ride too because it sounded good. It massaged us. They did all the preaching, all the studying and came and gave it to us on a Sunday morning and we just sat there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Are you done? Okay, here's a check. Bye. I'm gone. Pray for me by while you're at it. Didn't even bother to pray for ourselves. Didn't even think that we ourselves needed to develop a relationship. But the preachers knew this and they're like, okay, as long as they're walking in here, I'm going to keep them coming in. No, you can't even go in to a church. What does that tell you? It's important to, for you yourself to know the name of the Lord. It's important that you yourself develop that personal relationship in your own commune time. It is important that you know this to be true. It's not enough anymore. We can't go into a mosque. Maybe you're Islam, right? And you used to go into your mosque. You can't go into it. Maybe you're Jewish and you went into your temple. You can't even do that. Now you have to find for yourself. What did you subscribe to believe in? You're going to have to sit down and figure it out and start right there. And it's going to be glorious. It's not going to hurt you. It's going to, maybe there will come a time when they will reopen churches because churches are an economy. So they're going to put pressure on the government to say, we got to get back to work too, because we got to get back to the business of collecting people's money so we can live. But in the meantime, until that happens, God has got our attention. Our attention should not be fixated on CNN 
MSNBC or Fox News. Our attention is not fixated on the federal government. The federal government is not our supplier. God is our supply. We need to go back to that. God has kept us through his unchanging hand. We live in a blessed country. This is a blessed place to be. Let us go back to celebrating the God who created this. Let us go back. And I know many of you are praying right now for it to get warm. Maybe it will dry up the virus. Then if the sun dries up the virus, then why people in Africa getting it? Why people in other tropical countries? In Singapore, they don't have snow. Do they have snow down there in Indonesia? Do they have snow? But they're getting it. So this is not about it. This is about wherever it lands, wherever their germs are, wherever the germ is, that's where the virus is going. We need God. And so I encourage you to find your own commune time. What works for you? Carve that time out. Carve out a time that is going to best fit with your schedule. That when life resumes at its frenetic pace, you can slow it down. Now we know some things, haven't we? We don't have to live at that frenetic pace. We're slowed down now. Duh. We didn't have to live so rushed. Everything was not in real time. This is real time. So now carve out some time that you can spend, whether it's early in the morning. The Bible is convenient nowadays. It's on our phones. It's an app. You can download it. Maybe while you're in the bathroom in the mornings. You, do you know that the Bible app can read the scripture to you? You don't even have to read it for yourself if you don't want to look at it because you're so busy. You can have the Bible app read it to you. You can queue it up and add it to your playlist in your car while you're commuting to work. You can have it in your playlist while you're standing on the subway. Just like you listen to it, you stream everybody else's music. You can stream shows like this that are encouraging you and uplifting you. Amen. Amen. You never had time before to listen to me. Because you were too busy with the activities of the day. The entertainment news grabbed us. We wanted to be part of the in crowd. Guess what? This is the in crowd now. This is the new in. We went to the country club because we had to maintain our social standing in the community. Guess what? That ain't happening anymore. Social distancing has evaporated all those social definitions. You know what the new in crowd is? This one right here. You and God and your family. Now all of a sudden, it's come home to this. Now you realize that this was always what mattered. All the social groups we were part of, the alphas, the kappas, the deltas, that all the stuff that we were part of, all the Greek organizations, all the other social clubs, you were part of the Detroit Economic Club, this kind of club, that kind of club. Everyone, every kind of club seeking and, and trying to gain your attention. You know what you just suddenly realized? The only club you needed to be part of that was meaningful, that always had the meaning, was your family and your family's communion with God. That was it. Now you get the message. Is it clear to all of us that if you never ever found time before to sit down and talk with your family and to talk to God, you realize how important that is. Some of us are emerging from this in love again with our spouses, 
Imagine that. You were on the brink of the boards. You were going to leave. It was certainly better than being with him and being with her. All of a sudden now, you realize that's the best decision I could have made. Was marrying that man. Was marrying that woman. All of a sudden now, for all of you guys, some of you guys who left good women, and you suddenly find yourselves in coronavirus, you have to practice social distancing, and you really want companionship, but you really don't want to touch anybody because it could be on their skin and you don't know who they've touched. And you're like, I should have married that crazy one. The one who told me how to behave. The one who told me not to eat this and that. It's amazing to me as I scroll through my Facebook timeline. How people are talking about they're boosting their immune system. And I was like, the best immune system was the spiritual one. Why didn't you listen to the one whom God sent to correct you, but you didn't want to hear that? Now is the time that you're all sitting back and saying, wow, I have time to think. I'm still, my mind is clear. I should have married that one. I should have been with that one. I should have taken that job. I should have gone to church. Now all of a sudden your decisions are clear. I shouldn't have given my children everything they wanted. It destroyed them. Now you're trying to instill discipline and withholding to try to constrain them. And it's like the fight of your life. You're like, my God, can they reopen school? Because now you realize what giving them everything they wanted has created young people who are going to be damaged. Now is the time. This is recalibrating. It's restarting. It's re-engineering. Might I suggest that while we are recalibrating our lives, can we recalibrate our spirit? We need to feed that with positivity. We need to feed that with the things of God. We have forgotten that. We, we allowed our other things to come in. We fed our spirits with maybe too much lifetime movies, that is. Maybe too much Netflix. Maybe we thought that maybe if I have more sex, maybe if I drink more, maybe if I take this opioid, maybe if I take more antidepressants, and we may bid and may bid and fed our spirits and just poured in junk after junk after junk. You can't even get to the, to the pharmacy to refill your prescription. You can't get to your doctor. He isn't answering the phone because he's not there. You have to wait in queue. So now you realize maybe that's not the answer. All the stuff we used before, we used food to feed our spirit. You can't get all the stuff you want. You realize, I really don't need to eat all of that. We used to go to the gym because we became obsessed with our bodies as temples. I got to keep the temple clean. How do you keep the temple clean if you're not cleaning the spirit? You know why it's encouraging to pray to God? He helps us to focus on what needs to be focused on. So we eliminate the stuff we don't have to pay attention to. That's why God tells you quite clearly in this word he says don't fret don't worry because these things one upon another piled upon one top of the other create problems it gives us high blood pressure and stress which then stresses our hearts and our lungs and then makes our bodies slow down now all of a sudden we have much bigger problems instead of just having one little thing it's now all of a sudden a big thing you see where I'm coming from? So now that we are slower, we start thinking, wait a minute, I didn't really need all that. What was that all about? I didn't really need that. So now 
we can do the job of cleaning out our temple. For the next few days, pray, you just pray on this and think on these things. Proverbs chapter 18 and 10. Think about it. He's, if you think about it and pray about it, God is going to reveal to you the specific areas that He becomes your strength and your high towering. Maybe it's you earn too much to get a stimulus check, even though God knows you need it. You could have taken the extra money. Maybe the job has recalibrated already. They're like, you've been off of most of March, so you've exhausted all your paid time off. So as we enter into April, I can't pay you, so go apply for unemployment. Many of us got that email already. Many people got that email. When you apply for unemployment, you get like one third of what you used to work. Well, how does that cover all the bills? Your bills are $6,000 a month and unemployment is going to pay you like $2,500 to $3,000 a month. Because they cap unemployment at $600 a week. So if you used to earn $1,500 a week, how is that shortfall between $600 and $1,500 going to be taken care of? Maybe that's the area that God is going to come to you and reassure your mind. Many of you have had to call your mortgage companies, but when you call, there ain't nobody answering the phone. You're terrified. The good news is if they're not answering the phone, they're probably not going to send somebody out with a letter. <laughs> right? Pray and meditate on these things. And as we pray, salve it out. Let it all come out. All the negativity, all the fears, all the worries, all the stresses, all the concerns. What is going to happen for the future? Think not about that. Focus on this right here between now and next Sunday. I need this word to keep my mind focus on that. And I'm going to pray with you because I got to go. They're wrapping me up. My production assistant, you can't see here, but she's busy behind the scenes. So, But I'm going to pray with you that in the name of Jesus, that this coming week, this too shall pass. That this week, as we see all this stuff, as we get more text messages, as we get more reminders of how pervasive this virus is, and how much it is inflicting and affecting the lives of people whom we know and love. That we can say, the name of the Lord is our strong tower. The righteous run to it and are saved. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my friends who are watching. I pray for my friends who are listening. I pray for all of us right now, Jesus, that even during these dark, tumultuous times, even during these times, that the spirit of fear will not abide with us. I pray right now that as we look up onto the hills from whence cometh our help, we realize that we are running to you, Jesus, and we take comfort in your eternal words that remind us that you are our safety, you are our delivery, you are our strong tower. We run to you, Jesus, and even though the strong man of fear and the strong man of violence is raging through our streets, even the strong man of death that is pervasive and running from house to house, Jesus. I pray a holy shield of protection around my friends. In the name of Jesus, around my home, around my family, around my friends, in the name of Jesus, that you will keep us, you will guard us, you will hold us together, hold our minds and our spirits together. I pray for our leaders, Lord God, let them make decisions that impact the lives of people positively. Forget the rhetoric and come together as one, that we are one people facing a common enemy. And Father God, I thank you right now that I can say this prayer and I can give you thanks that this is done in the name of Jesus. 
I lift up our concerns to you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The concerns of my people that are silent, Jesus. Their own prayers that are in their hearts as they pray for their own family and their loved ones. Someone praying fervently for their mother and their father to be saved from this. Jesus, be a healer and a comfort in the name of Jesus. Someone praying for my child who is compromised and who is ill. Lord God, be a healer and a protector in the name of Jesus. Somebody praying, will I even have a job through this? Jesus be a provider in the name of Jesus. Somebody praying for protection. Right now there are people, women living in violence, Jesus, with violent spouses confined at home. Lord God Almighty, be the divider in that home, Jesus. Set things in order in the name of Jesus. Get the spirit of violence out in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you right now, Lord God, and bless your holy name. And we give you all the praise and the glory knowing that you have answered these prayers. As we look up onto the hills, Jesus, knowing you are our strong tower. You are our strong tower. You are our strength. We run to you, Lord God, this week. And we are safe. In the name of Jesus. Thank you so much for joining me. My name is Harry Kimmuth. This is Sunday morning edition of Down to Earth. Thank you so much, everybody. I pray peace and love. Peace and love. Peace and love. The name of the Lord. Jesus. Father God. His name is a strong tower. As you drive, as you go about your lives, walking through your home, speak the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is in this place. God, you're in this place. Be a shield and a protector over our healthcare workers, those who have to go out every day. Lord God, it's not the masks. It's not anything else. It's not the gloves. It's you, oh God, who are a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of my head. Lift us up. Oh God, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. This is Harriet Kimmock with Down to Earth. Join me again. Right? I come to you on Facebook. I love you all. Thank you, Twitter. Thank you, Periscope. Thank you, YouTube. Thank you, everybody, for joining me this morning. Share this message with your friends. Share this message with your friends who have family in nursing homes and they can't visit them. Be a shield and a comfort. In Jesus' name. Be blessed, everybody. Be blessed. Thanks so much, everybody. Be blessed. Thank you so much.